See if y'all remember this. Get ready, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That was actually Emily at our wedding singing that song to me, and uh, which was really awesome. So thank you, Emily. Do y'all remember who uh, sang that song other than my wife? Okay, everybody's just said heart. Y'all are going to be stunned. It was not heart. It was Roxette. Do y'all remember Roxette? She was sort of like the tall Norwegian lady. Did you get it right? She got it right? Yeah. Yeah, of course she did, because her name's Roxette. Um, so anyway, when she sang that song, I remember watching the, we watched, we looked up the video, and I was like, I, I remember the song, I want to see her again. And I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, I used to think she was like a good looking lady. And, you know, and not that she's not anymore, but she's old now, and which was like shocking. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to her? And then I looked in the mirror and said, Man, what happened to me? But uh, today we are continuing our series, uh, Classic Rock, and obviously not all the songs that were written have spiritual meanings, but I thought we could look at some of the songs from a biblical perspective. And in this song, of course, it's called Listen to Your Heart, and just want to read to you just the, the lyrics, which are very profound and deep. It says, listen to your heart when he's calling for you. Listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. Listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. And as I thought about that, I, I began to think, you know, from a biblical perspective, one thing that God does with us is that God speaks to us, and God calls out to us, and, and he works in our hearts. And so, the, the, I guess, really the theme for today is for us to listen to our heart. And, and I know that now, I will say this, I know the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of the heart. You know, I'm supposed to listen to my heart, I thought my heart, for those of you who grew up in church, you've always heard that your heart is deceitful above all things, it's beyond cure. And that's uh, from the book of Jeremiah. And there's no doubt that the heart on its own is wicked, but God has inscribed on each person's heart, in their soul, a need for God. There is an innate, you know, like knowledge that we need God in our lives, that we need His direction and leadership. Jeremiah 31 33 says this, and this is how we know this. It says, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And so my challenge for you and for me is that we will listen to the part of our heart that God's written on. Where God says and, and lets us know that, that there is a God for one, and he lets us know, I believe it's it, it, deep within each of us, on how we are supposed to live in the leadership of God, under the leadership of God. Now today in our scripture, we're going to see Jesus letting us know we, letting us know we have a choice concerning how we're going to live our lives. We have the opportunity to listen to the voice of God, listen to what he's written within us, or to go our own way. And so if you have your Bible today, we're going to look in John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. And it's in this passage of Scripture where we're going to see some reasons that we need to choose Jesus. To choose to listen to the part of our heart that God has written on and follow Him. Now the Scripture we're going to look at, it was written really in response to the religious leaders of the day. They were known as Pharisees. Uh, the religious leaders of the day did not get along with Jesus all the time. 
Uh, they had some jealousy about Jesus. Jesus was becoming very popular, and they saw Jesus as a threat to their leadership. And so, you know, they wanted to, they really wanted to bring Jesus down so that they would re- reclaim their rightful place as being the religious authority. Now, the thing that's really sad about all that is these men claimed to know God. And yet, whenever God, Jesus, stood right in front of them, they rejected him. In John chapter 9, just the chapter before, if you read through there, you'll see that Jesus healed a blind man. And after Jesus performed this incredible miracle, the religious leaders of the day didn't get excited about it. They didn't say, man, that is awesome. What they did is they just sort of doubled down and decided that they were going to reject Jesus even more. Now, it's my hope for you and for me today that that we're going to make a very wise decision today. And that is to listen to what God has already written in our lives. And that is that he, he has written within us to follow him. And we're going to see some basic reasons why we ought to choose Jesus and we're going to see this from our text today, and they're very simple, very easy. When you read through it, you're like, oh, that, that's not that big of a deal. It doesn't seem like some big theological uh, you know, conundrum that I'm in whenever I look in this text. It seems real easy. And I really believe that when it comes down to Jesus, that we make stuff so complicated, when in fact it's very straightforward with the Lord. Now, now why should we choose Jesus? And first reason why, very simple, is because he protects. He protects us. In verses 7 and 8, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now Jesus said in our text that he was a gate for the sheep. Now for somebody like me who did not, I didn't grow up on a farm, uh, and for, for most of us who, you know, live either in Lake Carolina or Long Creek or wherever, somewhere out in Blythewood, most of you guys, I'm guessing, don't have sheep. So this text is like, you know, well, what does that mean? He's a gate for the sheep. Well, the people Jesus was talking to, they, they knew exactly what he's talking about because Israel has a lot of shepherds. And, and they still do today. And so when Jesus said that he was a gate for the sheep, the people being talked to, they knew exactly what he's talking about. Now, for us to understand that, I just want to give you a little bit of an understanding of what a shepherd did. And one of the things a shepherd would do is he was, it was his responsibility to watch over his flock. And after they'd eaten and all those different things, his job was to take them to a place where they could, you know, spend the night. And he would look for a suitable place. And typically it would be something like a cave or it would be like a bunch of brambles where he'd set up a bunch of brambles where there would only be one way in and one way out. There would be an entrance. And what the shepherd would do is he would bring his sheep into that enclosed area, and then he would lay down and sleep in the only entrance that there was. So he literally was the gate for the sheep. Now, why would the shepherd do that? Well, the only way that you could get into the sheep pen was to go through the shepherd. To go through the gate. That was the only way that you could get in. And if you were a predator, the only way you could try to steal one of those sheep is if you were able to get over the shepherd. So, what's Jesus saying here? Jesus was saying, I am the gate in your life. If you come into my fold, Jesus says, I will protect you. He says, I will watch over you. 
Now, that's, that's really a very cool picture to me. Now, you might say, well, I don't need anybody to watch over me. You know, I know there, there are a lot of us who are very independent. And we like to feel like that we can take care of ourselves. We don't need anybody trying to watch out for us. But there's a reason that Jesus so often talks about his followers as being sheep. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not like a sheep expert or anything, but if you watch sheep, you know, sheep are kind of, they're, 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 they look like nice animals, don't they? You know, they're kind of, they're fluffy in general, uh, you know, in our minds, they're white. You know, I know that they get dirty, but, but you know, they're, they're white, they just look, they look real, you think, man, I could have one of these things probably in my house. You know, they seem like they'd be a nice little pet, but sheep on their own aren't real great, as a matter of fact, they don't have any natural defense mechanisms. Have you, I mean, have you ever seen a sheep, you know, just going, going nuts on another animal? You ever, I mean, you know, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, just to see a sheep going after a dog or attacking something. Sheep don't do that. You know, they're just sort of like a, they're a docile animal. And so whenever they go out on their own, if they don't have a shepherd watching over them, they're very easy prey for predators. Uh, one of the interesting things I read about sheep is that, you know, their wool just, it just, it continuously grows. And they need to be sheared. And if they're not, what can happen is when they go to get a drink of water by like a, by running water, that water can splash up on their wool. And if they stay there too long, it can actually waterlog the sheep. It's where it gets so heavy that he just falls over into the water and he will drown. And so a, a sheep, sheep, when they were made, they were made to be cared for by a shepherd. Now, isn't that interesting? They're, they're, they don't have a natural defense mechanism. And I thought about that with people. I believe that when God has created us, he created us to be taken care of by a shepherd. Now, if you decide that you want to wander around on your own and live like you want to, you can do that, but that's not what you were created for. You were created for a relationship with a shepherd. And the shepherd has been put here in order to protect you. And if you don't allow him to protect you, then there's predators out there for us. As some of you already know this firsthand, you've experienced you know, some kind of predator in your life that, is, that has grabbed hold of you, that has destroyed you. And ultimately, our predator is the devil. And I want you to know the devil's not looking to do you any favors in life. He's looking to tear you apart. So the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be alert. Or be controlled and self-alert. Self-controlled and alert. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, I've seen so many people devoured by Satan over time. And I said, what does that mean? I've seen people who've refused to listen to what God has etched in their heart. And they decide they're going to follow after their own ways. And I've seen it happen in marriages where marriages have been absolutely destroyed when couples have decided they're not going to be obedient to the leadership of God. And they're going to choose their own path and it's left them shattered. I've seen young people who've decided that they're going to listen to their own heart and not listen to what God's written on their heart and seek their own ways, thinking I can find freedom in this area in my life only to be absolutely overtaken by sin and destroyed by it. Not many people are going to argue that, that there's not evil in our world. There's a lot of bad stuff in our world. 
Emily and I have three, have three children, and we want to do whatever we can in order to protect our children from the lies of this world. And one of the chief lies that this world says is that if you follow God, your life's not going to be any fun. If you follow after God, then there can't be, you know, there can't be pleasure and there can't be joy. But the fact is, it is only God who wants to watch out for us, who wants to protect us from the slings and arrows of this life. Everything else, man, it doesn't, it doesn't protect. A number of years ago, there was a, a group of men, sharpshooters from Rochester, New York. They were with the police department, and they had a call that came in that there was a man sitting in the back of a car with a rifle in a mall. And so the police went out there, they surrounded the car, they saw the man with the rifle in the car, and they began to get on the, you know, their like megaphone, and they're calling out to the guy, telling him that he needed to put down his weapon, get out of the car, put his hands up. The guy would not respond to him at all. And he just sat there. And so they, they continued to negotiate with the guy for over an hour, and he made no movement whatsoever. So finally they charged the car. When they charged the car, what they discovered is it was not a man in the back seat with a rifle. It was a mannequin. They've been talking to a mannequin for over an hour. Now, whenever they got there, obviously, they're a little ticked off. And so they they tracked down the guy who owned the car, and they said, what is the deal with you having a mannequin in your car with a rifle? And the man said, well, you know how carjackings are. And he said, they're just so bad right now. He said, it looks better if if it looks like you have somebody protecting you, so I put a mannequin in the back of my car with a rifle. Which, uh, that makes logic, that's a lot of sense right there, isn't it? Uh, now, as I thought about that, I thought, you yeah, know, gosh, there's a lot of us that, in a similar sense, we do the same thing. That in this life, we look for protection, we look for somebody to care for us and watch out for us. Yet, what we choose is we choose a mannequin instead of choosing mighty God. You know, I, I look back in verse number 8, and I see that Jesus says that he's willing to be our protector. But there's a lot of thieves and robbers out there who are looking to steal joy from us. Who are looking to offer us things that don't satisfy. And what happens is the more we seek after satisfaction, the more and more desperate we get. Because we think, man, there's nobody nobody really who cares for me just as for who I am. I want you to know something. I want you to know that Jesus is worth choosing to follow. Because he protects you. Look at that verse again. Jesus said, I am your gate. I'm your protector. And Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So why choose Jesus? First reason is because he protects us. But here's another reason why we are to choose Jesus. A logical reason. It's because he provides for us. He's not just our protector. He's our provider. And if you look in verse number Nine, it says, I am the gate, Jesus, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And here's the part I want you to focus on. It says, he will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, we already know Jesus is the gate, and and the reason he's our gate is because that gate protects us. Now, you might say, well, it sounds like to me that gate is like a prison. You know, I come into his sheep pen, and it says, then he locks me in. That's not that you're missing the point there. Because if you look on at the end of the verse, he says he will allow you to go in and out of the sheep pen. So it's not like he's imprisoning you. So so why does he let us go in and out? Well, part of the shepherd's job wasn't just to protect. It was also to lead the sheep to find food and water. 
He says, I, I, I'm going to satisfy you. I will allow you to go in and out in order to be nourished. In order to find satisfaction in your life. Now, now sheep need a shepherd to lead them to find food and water. One of the interesting, another interesting fact about sheep is that if they're left to their own devices and they go out to feed, what's very, what can be very natural for them to do is they'll find little pieces of grass and they'll eat it and they'll wander, continue to looking, and they've always got their nose down to the ground. So whenever they run out of grass, when they look up, they have no idea where they are. They're lost. And so again what happens is they are susceptible to a predator. So they wander around without somebody there to guide them, and they find themselves in trouble. See, the job of the shepherd is to look out, to watch out for the sheep, and to make sure that they're protected, but also that they have something to eat and to drink. Now, Jesus, again, wants to provide. The world isn't looking to provide for us. It's looking to see what it can get out of us. And some of you already know this. We've heard the phrase, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, isn't it? Y'all heard that? Y'all remember Cheers? I still remember, that's one of my favorite lines from Norm. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. You know what I mean? I mean it's, it's, a, it's a tough world out there. The world is looking, because if we're sheep, the world is looking to get wool and meat out of us. But Jesus is looking to provide for us and to care for us. Why choose Jesus? He wants to provide for you. He wants to care for you. So, now, who does Jesus want to care for? Does he want to just care for good people? Does he want to just care for people who have it together, who have a certain amount of money, who are from a certain ethnicity or from a certain country? Absolutely not. The key word is found in verse number 9. It's the word whoever. Jesus said, whoever enters through him, through the gate, will be saved. That means it's an open invitation for everyone to come into God's flock. And if you enter through Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you and I will serve you. The Bible says that God will provide for you. He'll take care of you. Provide you with forgiveness, with meaning and hope, with joy. He'll provide you with eternal salvation. Now, it's real easy for me to stand up here and tell you all these things that he'll provide. You might say, well, have you ever experienced the provision of God in your life? I can tell you without a doubt I've experienced the provision of God in my life. I've experienced it. I remember experiencing it as a kid, as our family. My dad and mom, whenever they were, you know, they were as poor as could be. And we saw God perform miracles just so we could eat. And our experience here... At Village Church, I remember it was, it was 10 years ago that Emily and I felt led to begin a new work in Blythewood. And so I, you know, I resigned as pastor of our last church in Lexington. We came out here and we began to, you know, began to get plans together for starting the church. And I remember sitting there like three weeks after I'd left our church. And, and I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, the only people in our church are Emily, Hank, Glenn, and Janie, and me. And, and they didn't come because they wanted to. And I was like, this is not a good thing. And so I began to was like, oh, God, can I go back to our old church? And I was like, maybe they'll take us back. And then finally, just like, Lord, you know what, Lord, I need to know that you called me to do this, really, and that you're going to provide. I mean, I was desperate. God, you've got you to speak to me. Are you going to provide for me and my family? 
And I said, please speak to me as I just read the Bible today. And, just, I, mean, I didn't, and I didn't start looking up stuff. I just, my regular Bible readings. And here's what I read. So I knew God provided, would provide. In Matthew 28.10, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I said, God, are you going to provide for me? And that's the verse I read. And it was like, God, tears came to my eyes, and I began to realize, you know what? Our God is a provider. Now, was it easy? Absolutely not. Has it been worthwhile? Let me tell you something. It has been the greatest blessing of our lives. Because I've seen what God has done, and I have learned that God provides for his people. Guys, don't listen to the world. Don't listen to what the world has to say. Listen to your heart that God has written on. So that you will not, the heart that, that naturally longs for a relationship with God. Everything else in this world is a thief and a robber. It is only God who wants to provide for you and will give you freedom to go in and out of the sheep pen to find nourishment, to find satisfaction. Why choose Jesus? He protects us. Why choose Jesus? He provides for us. And that's the last thing I want, to, I want you to see. Just a real logical reason. Why should we choose Jesus? Why should I listen to the heart that God has written on a long time ago that I would know who he is? Why should I listen to my heart and choose Jesus? Last one. Because he gives abundant life. Jesus offers us life. In verse 10 it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, the world tells us a whole lot of stuff it's going to offer us. It tells us, I can give you life. The world tells us, if we're going to, if we're going to have life, then you've got to go after things so that you can have more and more stuff and more and more material things, more and more money. And once you get all that stuff, it's then that you're going to find happiness in your life. And we're bombarded with images on television and in music telling us that, that real joy is being, is being totally free and doing what you want to do and, and seeking after things that bring you physical pleasure. And the world also tells us that there might be times when we have to set aside our core values and run roughshod over people so that we can get what we want. And some of you, have we've done this before. How's that worked out for us? I tell you how it's worked out for most of us is we're still empty. I know a lot of people who've achieved all that stuff. They're still empty. Still not satisfied. You know, it's sort of like the dog. Have you ever seen a dog chasing his tail? And he just runs around in a circle, you know, barking, trying to get it to his tail. And, and, and then when he does get it, he, I mean, so he like, doesn't know what to do with it. That's, I really believe that is, what, that is what the devil wants us to do, to chase after things that have no value. And then when we finally grab hold of them, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm still empty. You know, this stuff doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fill me. King Solomon in the Old Testament, King David's son was considered the wisest man who ever lived. As a wealthy king, Israel had its greatest expansion under his kingdom. He's tremendously successful. He was the guy that had everything money could buy. He had, uh, he had, over, a th- he had over a thousand wives and concubines, which I, you know, I look at wisdom and then that, and I'm thinking, he couldn't have been that smart. But over a thousand wives and concubines, 
Listen to what he said in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 through 11, the wisest man in the world. He said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He did whatever he wanted. He said, my heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for all my labor. He said, yet when I surveyed um, all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, he said, everything was meaningless. See that? It's meaningless. It says, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Everything this world offers you is simply chasing after the wind. It's not going to satisfy you. Now, Jesus, he says, listen to your heart when he's calling for you. He says, when you listen, you will hear that I've come to give you life and give it to you to the fill. Jesus wants to give us life. And not just life, life to the fill. That, that, that phrase, to the fill, it is a word picture. It is a picture of a cup. And like if you're at a restaurant, the lady's pouring you know, when she's pouring you sweet tea, it's like she, is, she will continuously fill up that cup. She'll never stop filling it up. It is the picture of a cup constantly overflowing. That is the kind of life that God wants to give you. A life where you are eternally satisfied. Now, now why aren't we satisfied when we go after the things of this world? you know why? It's because the, thing of this, the things of this world don't last forever. You can't constantly be filled up by the things of this world, by money and stuff and relationships. Because everything in our world today is finite. Everything in our world has a beginning and it has an end. Everything does. Everything except for God. So if, if your main goal in life is to find pleasure in this world, it's going to be short-lived. Because it can't last forever. If you listen to this world, short term, you're going to miss out on future. Let me give you an example of somebody who did that. There was a man named Seth Godin who was at Stanford Business School, and he went to talk to the the president of Activision. Anybody remember Activision? It was a gaming system in the, like, 1970s, Atari. Y'all know Atari, right? All of the old people like me. Yeah, joystick, one button. Love it. Okay, that, that, okay, that's Activision. Okay, Activision, the guy went to him and said, you know what? He said, we can expand the gaming market into personal computers. He said, man, it, we will, it will explode if we do that. The president of Activision said, you've got to be kidding me. He said that they use floppy disk. He said the future is not in floppy disk. He said it's in game cartridges. All right, now, most kids today don't even know what a game cartridge is. All right, now, the, that man... Activision never made the step into the personal computer gaming systems. Not at the right time, anyway. And because of it, they missed out. Why'd they miss out? Because the president was short-sighted. He based his decision off of what was going on right now. He based his decision off of what his profits were at this point without taking a look long-term. As we tell you something. We do the same thing. Anytime we base our decisions off of how we feel now, off of, what, off of what we want right now, we are not looking down the road. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it continuously to the fill. 
Does it get any better than that? Can you, I mean, can you give more than that, more life than that? Absolutely not. It's impossible. See, I believe every person intuitively knows that there is a God, and God's written it on our heart. That's why Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us he set eternity in the hearts of men. Eternity's in your heart. Why do you think people want to live forever? Nobody wants to die. Where'd that come from? It came from God. Because God wants us to have life forever. God wants us to experience his power and his joy forever. So what's the key? It is to listen to your heart that God's written on and respond to his calling for your life. Why should we choose Jesus? He protects us. And he gives us abundant life. Folks, listen. Listen to your heart right now. God is calling for you. He's calling for you to follow him. Because it is him and him only who gives life. That's it. This time I'd like for us to bow our heads as we close.